Hello and welcome to another NL full-time podcast, the first podcast of the 2023-24 season, which is finally underway. Um, now, I'm Rob Worrell and we're here, of course, to review the National Leagues, all three of them. And joining me today, um, as ever, as nearly always ever anyway, um, is the ever-reliable Mr Dickie Wharton. How are you doing, Dickie? Yeah, good morning. Can't let go. I'm not even in the National League anymore and I can't let go of this. But yeah, good to see you. I know, but it was such a miserable season for Telford last year. And I know we don't cover outside the National Leagues, but I'm just going to say a 3-0 win for Telford uh, on your first day in the new division. Uh, seeing off Royston, wasn't it a good day? The it was. Yeah, yeah, positive. Yeah, 3-0 up by half-time and, and pretty much in control of it. But yeah, just one game of, of 42. So yeah, a long way to go yet. Was really, really pleased for you. It was quite late last night when I eventually scrolled through my app to find it and uh, I was so chuffed for you. Um, and joining us again, well, it's our seventh season and I reckon he's been on in at least four of them now. Regular listener to the pod as well. Um, in National League midfielder, now at Dagenham and Redbridge. Morning, Josh Rees. Morning, Rob. Morning, Dickie. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> had to be on and speak all things the league and it's good to see it started. Um, yeah, may it be a, another, another exciting one. <laughs> yeah, we'll come on, of course, in due course to, to how your side, Dagenham and Redbridge, got on, of course. Uh, um, and... Uh, you know, before then, I had to wrestle with myself a little bit about where we start today. Dickie will know, probably even Josh, he listens that often, that I do get a bit fed up that all the shutdown often, you know, we're the last resort, we're the last one to be talked about. That's not going to be the case today. And it's not just because I'm hosting, but with full due respect, there's only one place we can start. The biggest win of the day. Perhaps in some quarters, the biggest sh uh, shock of the day, but full kudos, credit, respect, everything to Kevin Maher's men. Somehow, Josh, against all the odds, with not much of a pre-season behind them, with very low expectations, with only, by the skin of their teeth, ground clearance, Southend have gone and beaten one of the two hot title favourites, Oldham Athletic, 4-0, what on earth do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, we uh, obviously, once the game's finished, we get on the uh, the live scores and it was definitely one, probably the one that stood out the most. Obviously, um, Oldham have had a good end to last season and then a lot of backing. Obviously, James Norwood just, just came in. Um, obviously, a top striker who's already sort of got out this league with Tranmere and you'd expect in Oldham to... Really lay a marker down, but to be fair, I'm I'm from the South End area, so I'm kind of I know what's been going on there. But one thing you can't deny is that um, there's a an amazing team spirit there, despite everything that's going on, all the adversity, and um, in that they've got some players that are sort of giving their all for the club and the manager, despite many months not even being paid. So um, credit to South End, um, amazing result. Uh, and yeah, I think it just shows when you've got that sort of team and togetherness, uh, it can take you a long way, uh, despite everything that's going on. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that old uh, chestnut, isn't it? The siege mentality, just 16 players as well. 
Southend and uh, you know I wouldn't normally do it double dicky but I got to come over to you what what you know what do you what do you make of it all it's um, it's quite staggering because that result flies against all logic it does um but that's football isn't it it, it, it is um it, it was the the biggest turn up in there yesterday i mean everything was set up for um you know, Oldham to roll into town as one of the promotion favourites and, and disappear um, back up the road with three points at their first step towards what they hope will be a promotion season. But clearly, Southend had other ideas. I mean, it's, I suppose my concern around this is that, that well of team spirit, you think that, that there's got to be a bottom of the well at some point, you know, that, that um, and the longer that they can keep on producing um, performances like this, um, that <clears throat> that upset the odds. I mean, it's terrific for the fans, and it does such a lot. It, it sells the club and the potential of the club and and the spirit to 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 other buyers. But of course, we all know that you know the big barrier to that is Mr. Martin. Um, um, how much he cares about what happened yesterday or or whatever. I, it's really hard to know. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a blow to Oldham, that one. David Unsworth wasn't present yesterday, I don't think either. I think he had to miss the first game of the season. So um, he'll be getting his reports back and I can't imagine we'll be too thrilled by what he's um, hearing back at, about his Oldham side yesterday. Callum Powell, Coker, Mooney and Cardwell on the score. And another thing that defied logic was... South End a little bit undercooked, perhaps in pre-season, scoring three goals in the last ten minutes, but a fantastic result to South End. I think they've uh, picked up a lot of fans from afar over the last year, with fans resonating with their situation. And uh, who knows, Josh, if they didn't have a transfer embargo with you being from that area, they might have even been in for you by now. But they still mm-hmm. can't sign anybody, and. Uh, we can only hope the situation eases a little bit for South End in the coming weeks and months and they can get that sale through. All right, then. I can't hold back any longer. Um, I've got to go with Aldershot Town, to be honest, until the last seconds of Saturday, which were at some ridiculous time, like quarter past five, Aldershot were sat top of the fledgling National League table, but they conceded in the last minute. And, of course, South End won a goal-scoring spree late on. So those honours go to South End. Of course, every manager player just to tell us we don't look at the league table until eight or ten games in. But if you're an Aldershot Town supporter and you've seen your team down the bottom for the last four or five years, then it certainly meant a lot to get off to a good start against newly promoted Oxford City. Um, first and foremost, it should be said that it was a huge day for Oxford City after 141 years, they have finally appeared at the top level of non-league. Uh, And before the game, I caught up with the BBC Oxford commentator and the Oxford City uh, media manager, Andy Gates. Welcome to the National League and welcome to a a rather wet EBB stadium. Um, Apart from the weather, what are you looking forward to today? Uh, I I can't tell you how good it is to be here, honestly. The last two seasons, really, at City, we've been at the top of the National League South and it was always kind of, are we going to do it? And, And then we did it and it almost feels like yesterday and suddenly we're here. Um, what am I looking forward to uh, first and foremost today? Just getting it, getting it down, and, and seeing and seeing how well we do today. We've not really changed too too much personnel in the squad, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the kind of old guard from the last uh, two or three seasons uh, do and cope with the step up. And also, uh, it's 
probably the, the, the usual really, going to the, the bigger grounds, playing in front of more fans, but also um, for me personally, just seeing Oxford City uh, at that level, get that extra exposure and really, um, you know, hopefully... Uh, try and uh, upset the apple cart a little bit. If I was in the Oxford City camp, which obviously I'm not, I'd love the fact that everybody's writing you off. Do you think that Ross Jenkins, your manager, is, is going to use that effectively? Um, if I'm honest, he no. Won't, he I, won't care, will I, he? I, he doesn't <laughs> care. I, I, I did an interview with him during the week, actually, and I said, and one of the questions that sprung up is everyone has us down to finish 23rd, 24th in their pre-season predictions. He just said to me, he said, honestly, I don't care. And I love that. And what I would, what I think is, is important to say today as well is, you know, everyone's got us in those bottom, in the relegation zone somewhere. I don't, I've not seen one prediction where we, we stay up, but it's outside Oxford City. Um, but what I would say is we're not here to make up the numbers. Internally, there's a, there's a need. There's a need to go out and, and win games. It's 11 against 11. Ross, the manager, will make sure the players know that. They're not here just for a, a free hit. There are no free hits. It's now we're here. We've earned the right to be here. And now it's time to really do the talking. It's easier said than done. I'm sure Maidstone would have say, said the same. But then Dorkin, who was similar, in a similar position last season, did really well. We look at Wealdstone, who did really well last season. That gives us motivation. And we really have a, a lot of self-belief. And for us, that'll do. And we'll give it a good go. And a lot of people don't realise, they make the assumption that Oxford City are part-time, but you're not, are you? You're already full-time. Uh, well, we are. T- we've taken the step up. We were part-time. We, we yeah. still are. We've added an extra session in there. So it's hybrid, if you like. Yeah, if you like, that, that term hybrid. No, no one really knows what it means. So we've got a few. Um, we've added a Wednesday morning in there. But again, uh, you know, the finances, uh, I don't need to tell anyone this. Uh, we will have the lowest budget in the division. Um, but at the same time, I imagine Maidenhead and, and clubs like that did last season and, and, and they stayed up. So again, it just reverts to that. We're going to give it a good go. We have progressed it. The club in all areas is trying to professionalise uh, gradually and we are getting there. And this season will be a really good test to see where we are and, and then also you know, raise that bar. In terms of players we should look out for, I think one of the more obvious names is Zach McEachran, obviously brother of Josh. But... Um, anyone else that you think is really on the rise and that, that maybe might, you know, however Oxford City do this season, are on their way maybe to the Football League? Well, firstly, uh, Zach McEachran's completely right. He's, in my opinion, he's our best player. In the player's opinion, he's the best player. Um, but apart from that, there are some, some, some players that do kind of get missed, if you like, because mm. the, all eyes are on Zach McEachran. Those players being, I'd probably say, Aaron williams Bichel, really lively. Canis Carroll at the back is one of my favourite players in the squad. Uh, as well as the kind of stalwarts, Reese Fleet, who's one of our all-time biggest appearance holder. Josh Ashby, he can score a free kick from anywhere, dead ball specialist, and with that, you've got a chance. From the new players coming in, I'm really excited about Naya Kirby. Uh, some people, some viewers of the pod- uh, listeners of the podcast, sorry, will know Naya of his time with England, Palace, youth, youth teams. Not really had the look of the draw with clubs, but he signed with us. Seeing him, he's, he's got all the ability in the world. And I think if we can give him a good platform, he won't be here for long, but he'll help the team when he is here. Uh, there's, there's a lot of players, really. Fantastic insight. Much appreciated. Just a final question, a bit more for you personally, really. I know that you, uh, you, you kind of worked your way a little bit further south than where you're from. Um, you, you talk about going to some new grounds and new places. It's obviously going to be a fun season for you personally. Anywhere uh, in particular... You, uh, you're looking forward to going other than Scotland and that visiting that fish and chip shop outside? Yeah, well, Rochdale and Oldham are right near where I'm from and where my family are from, so I'm looking forward to going back there. But I've been there a few times. 
So there's a few new ones I want to tick off, Chesterfield being the obvious one. I'm actually, I'm not saying this just because I'm speaking to you, I'm actually quite glad to be here because I did watch Aldershot uh, when I was younger, when they were in the EFL. Uh, don't want it to <laughs> sort of bring the mood down a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a few, and I'm looking forward to, rather weirdly, going to Maidenhead. It's nice and close. It's a prop. I think it's, is it the oldest ground in the, yeah, in the country or yeah, something what, like that? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to going to somewhere where it's a little bit more familiar and because uh, all the all the new, bigger grounds do the talking themselves, don't they? That was Andy Gay. Well, as for Aldershot Town, well, it was their best opening day since 2017. Um, obviously, I was there. I can't really come to one of you two about it, so I'll have to talk about it. But... Um, Shots started really well. They were on the front foot. They got ahead. Tolaj was amazing on the day. Two goals. He rattled the bar. He drew two fantastic saves from Chris Haig. But his partner up top, Jack Barham, was a little ferret. He was everywhere. An absolute nuisance, an absolute pest. Um, and the shots really purred for a lot of the game. Oxford City had a good spell midway through the first half and they got themselves deservedly level at that point. But the last 20 minutes of the first half and large periods of the second, Aldershot played a brand of football that I haven't seen in recent years. Uh, testimony really to what a, a job in recruitment and togetherness um, has been provided uh, by Tommy Widrington. And perhaps the biggest point I want to make is there were eight new starters for Aldershot yesterday. And the fact that they didn't even give a thought to the home form because they don't know about it. Uh, you know, laid to rest a ghost that um, has haunted Aldershot for a long time with some pretty horrible form at home in the last few years. So they went on to do it in style. Notable mention for a, a couple of goals for Josh Parker. He won't get too easy a tap-ins all season. So there's a bit of work to do on the defensive side for Shots. After the game, I caught up with Shots' Swiss striker, and that's not easy to say, Laurent Tollage. Laurent? Um, a pretty good start for you and the team today. Pretty much how you'd dreamt it, I think. Although maybe in the dream you'd have got a hat-trick, right? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm happy to score two goals, but I'm happy to help the team with two goals. But personally, I'm not really happy I should have scored a hat-trick. I mean, the, the game started with a bit of momentum, didn't it? And you got a little chance just a couple of minutes in. Got a sight of it, hit it well with your left foot, but it came back off the bar. Yeah, like, I thought I could header the ball, but... I just like uh, thought it was too high and I just kicked the, uh, the ball and that wasn't lucky. And after that, of course, you had a snapshot from a long way out, which the goalkeeper made a tremendous save for. And then your strike partner, Jack, set you up when he could have shot himself, didn't he? So uh, a word on that first goal, your first goal for all to shut down. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> happy to score my first goal, but also happy that Jack uh, slides to me and uh, that's football, it's uh, teamwork, so... I'm really pleased with that. And uh, the second goal came in the second half at the uh, notorious East Bank end in front of the shots, faithful. And you showed us that you can deliver goals with your right foot as well. Yeah, that was that was amazing to score in front of the East Bank, also with my right foot. So I'm pleased with that and let's keep going. Of course, it is only one win, but great to start so well. Just try and sum up the mood in the dressing room um, after that game. Yeah, everyone is happy. Everyone is happy. Good performance. <clears throat> lots of goals. Lots of positive stuff. But as you said, like it's the first game. There's a lot of games. So, But everyone is confident for the next game. 
that was Laurent Talaj. As he said, he, he could and should have probably had a hat-trick. But uh, just looking on from afar, Josh, I know Aldershot are now one of sort of four ex-teams in the National League for you. But uh, that was a bit of an eye-catching result, even if it was against the newly promoted side. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like you alluded to, even uh, when I was playing at Aldershot, the home form was uh, kind of a, a bit of a sort of a curse, if anything. Um, we'd always be very good away from home, but um, at home, we'd be a mixed bag of results. And you always wonder why with the support that they get. Um, but no, it was a great start. Um, Tommy Widdington now sort of into, he's sort of had a full pre-season. And to be fair, I know quite a few boys that have played under him and they always sort of rave about how he simplifies the game um, and gets sort of a good team sort of uh, working on the same page. So, yeah, it was good to see. Obviously, a lot of new recruits. Um, uh, see the experienced recruits towards the end, uh, towards the beginning of the season, like Stuart O'Keefe, who I've played with and sort of like very experienced operators. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's very positive um, for the shots. And, yeah, I've said it's a, it's a great club and I really hope they can sort of kick on this season and surprise a few people because I think a lot of people's maybe predictions would have had them maybe struggling. Uh, but I think I think they'll be all right. So five goals for shots, four for South End, and the game of the day. <laughs> we can't ignore it any longer. Um, it was a 4-3 win for Chesterfield against Dorking. The go-to title favourites against the Gunslingers. And my goodness, was it a battle. Dorking gave it a right good go. They led 2-1 uh, at one point. I think at 3-2 down, they had a man sent off uh, and still got level with 10 men. Um, but it was the late, late show for Joe Quigley, a striker who doesn't always gets the pl get the plaudits that uh, he perhaps deserves. There was a double for, for Jason Pryor for Dorking. There was a double for Liam Mandeville for Chesterfield. Um, and head coach Ross McNeely said afterwards he literally gave it everything, um, a real sickener. But in in some ways, Josh, I know sometimes you have to take all the drama and emotion out of football and just look at what you got. And Dawkins returned home with no points, but they have to come out of that game with huge credit because Chesterfield, were they are big favourites for the league this year. Yeah, I mean, Dorkin are just a they're just a breath of fresh air in this league. They're great entertainers. They they just they always stick by their principles, uh, and it's almost like you score three, we'll score four. But obviously, you're coming up against. I think many people title favourites in Chesterfield had a great season last season. So nearly sort of got over the line in the playoff final, uh, and they've recruited well this summer in terms of some of the. EFL experience they brought in the likes of Will Grigg, Tom Naylor. I think they signed Michael Jacobs, didn't they, over the week over the weekend? Um, and under Paul Cook, yeah, I mean, to go there and score three goals is a great achievement. But obviously, it's they come home with nothing. But look, it's early days of the season aren't defined on that first game, and it gives you kind of a a feeling that look, we can go to Chesterfield and score that many goals. Surely that it puts us in good stead for sort of the up and coming games where you're going to face maybe lesser opposition. Yeah, Barnet also scored three on Saturday. In fact, they were cruising 3-0 up against uh, 
Newly relegated uh, John Askey's Hartlepool. Uh, goals from man of the match, Aluwu, the ever-reliable Nicky Kabamba and uh, Danny Collinge had Barnet three up. Hartlepool got back into it, not too soon, but a little bit hasty and a little bit tasty. And Josh Umera as well scored in the 90th minute. But uh, it wasn't to be for Hartlepool on their return to the National League. But Josh, there aren't many more reliable managers are than uh, John Askey. And uh, of course, he got a very efficient and workmanlike uh, Macclesfield team up to the to the Football League a, a few years back. And I think he and Hartlepool will do just fine, won't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, John Askey's proven uh, pedigree at this level did wonders with Macclesfield um, on a tiny budget and then even last season very surprised obviously what happened when he left York because I think with the team that he was assembling they would have been sort of right up there uh, but obviously whatever happened behind the scenes um, and he's got a Hartlepool squad with some proven players in there um, the likes of Joshua Mera who scored goals at this level um Desiree, I think, went there as well. So you've got goals in the team, and uh, yeah, throughout, I think Hartlepool, it's a it's a really tough place to go to as well. So I think the home form will be strong throughout the year. But yeah, Barnet, Barnet for me, um, they've kept the core of that team uh, that did really well last year, and they've added uh, well. So I think Barnet will, I fancy Barnet this year. I think they'll be um, they'll be right up there. Uh, Dean Brennan's a really good manager, recruiter at this level, knows the level inside out. So, um, uh, yeah, they'll be disappointed, Hartlepool not coming away with anything. But it, I think Barnet will be a tough place to go this season for most teams. Now, one of the National League's overachievers, FC Halifax Town, their pre-season recruitment may have underwhelmed some, some of us on this podcast in terms of our forecast for the season. But their opening result certainly caught the eye. Um, one of, another one of your old sides, Josh Bromley, travelled up there. And Andy Woodman came back with nothing. No no goals, no points. 2-0 win for FC Halifax Town. Millie Alley picking up where he left off last season. A real talent in the National League. And perhaps for me, the most surprising player that didn't get moved to the EFL in the summer. Millie Alley was superb, particularly towards the back end of, of last season. And Halifax, well, they continue to churn out the results up at the Shea, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, again, a very difficult place to go. Huge, huge pitch. Um, and I think Halifax play it really well. I think they recruit, um, definitely under Pete Wilde, they recruited players to suit sort of the size of the pitch. And like you say, um, Ali was very good last season. He's very sharp, um, direct player. Uh, and I think there's still time. Wouldn't surprise me if he did. Uh, it's still time for an EFL move, uh, obviously, in the window. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's um, definitely on the radar of a few clubs. But in regards to Bromley, actually, um, we travelled up uh, to Manchester for our game and um, I saw a couple of the Bromley boys who I know uh, and they did quite a lot of players out um, and I think they lost a couple during the game yesterday. So, uh, yeah, definitely food for thought for Andy Woodman if he's going to have to sort of dip into the loan market or get a few more bodies in because uh, they'll be disappointed with that result, but also the fact that they've lost some some key players uh, at the start of the season. Yeah, uh, Andy Woodman did well last year um, with quite a lot of young players and, and, and obviously, as you say, some of those have moved on. 
Um, and that's good for the club, you know, to 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 do so. But he's going to have to rely on an element of youth again this season. And it's not an easy job keep pulling rabbits out of the hat, is it? No, no, it's it's not. It's uh, but he does it um, really well. To be fair, and some of the boys they brought in last year, I think the lad Sturk, um, and they had the defender from Charlton, and he's obviously got great contacts during his time at Arsenal. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult to keep replacing. And if you see it at the top level, you get teams like the Southamptons who always used to do it, and they lost the sort of the, the Van Dykes and the Manes, and eventually. Uh, there might be one season where you you pull up short but to be fair I think I wouldn't worry being a Bromley fan I think they lost their first game last year um, and obviously they had a great season so I think they've got a, a sort of a great club great backing from the chairman and a, a good solid group of players at this level the likes of like your Corey Whiteley's Louis Dennis um, and I think they'll be fine it's just yeah early days and a bit unlucky on the injury side um, but yeah they'll be good there were two other winners in the National League on day one. Newly promoted Ebbsfleet got the job done live on TV as well, away at Rochdale. No mean result there. Luke O'Neill with the uh, with the goal. Uh, now, if Matt McClure had scored a goal like that, and he did once for Aldershot, and he definitely meant it, I don't know whether to give the full credit to Luke O'Neill uh, or not, because uh, I, I don't know. They had a bit of a debate whether he meant it or not. Um, have either of you chaps seen it? And what did you think? And will he care? Uh, I actually have quite good friends with Luke. So I, I messaged him after the game. And to be fair, he's he. I think he's meant it. He's, uh, he's technically a very good player. Uh, never seen him near the penalty box. So it's just probably the sort of thing he would try. And I did message him after the game, and uh, yeah, he said I just got to try to get anything on it to flick it on. So um, no, it was a great goal. Um, it's one that yeah, sort of. Uh, I think it, he said it was a bit like Ibrahimovic. Um, yeah, uh, he's he's claiming he's now the non-league Ibrahimovic. Um, but yeah, great result for Ibsfleet. Um I thought they were under the cost for quite a lot of the game. Like Rochdale actually quite impressed me. We we were watching it on the the coach home, but. Um, they dug in deep and uh, it's a great three points, uh, sort of a AFL club coming down. Um, it's the sort of thing that you kind of dream of, uh, like, yeah, getting those big results early doors. Just coming to you on the uh, final game, never write off Stuart Maynard's Wheelstone. Everybody, another one of those teams, people just want to pop in their bottom four predictions without thinking about it uh, too deeply. But they've seen off highly fancied York City, who obviously... Uh, Spent well, spent big in the summer, um, but uh, big expectations up there as well at York. And Michael Morton's going to have to uh, produce some good results pretty quickly into this season. Um, what was your take on that one, Dickie, from afar? Um, it started well, didn't it? Depot Akinyemi, the hot new striker that's come down from Scotland, he put York ahead. But uh, the ever-reliable Max, Max Kretschmar from the penalty spot and uh, ultimately a winner pretty late on again from uh, uh, Mundell Smith. Yeah, I would think it when it at 1-1, York might have been reasonably content, you know, with a point on the road. I'm sure they would have wanted three, but, you know, point away from home is, is never a bad point uh, on opening day. But it looks like it all hinged on the red card for, for Callum Howe in the 83rd minute, making his, his lead debut for York. Of course, he signed in the summer after leaving Solihull Moors. And, and yeah, that put them down to 10 men for the last few minutes um, when they conceded that goal. So I suppose it just 
you know, shows how fine the margins are, doesn't it? You know, that just that you would hope that, or, or York City, Michael Morton would have hoped that his side could have held on for the last 10 minutes and held on to that point, you know, having having got that red card, but it wasn't to be. Well, I've held off on this one um, until we come to your game, Josh, because it's quite an apt point to, to bring it in. Um, the other five games in the National League were drawn, so 10 points, including your own Dagenham and Redbridge, sit on one point after the opening day. Um, by my reckoning, there were 11 goals scored after 90 minutes or after on Saturday. And your team's uh, late equaliser was one of them. Tell us, if you can, a little bit about how yesterday's game was for you away at Altrincham. And also what you as players have been told about this new directive about time added. Uh, yeah, so in regards to our game yesterday, um, yeah, I think if we were to be honest, and I think the managers alluded to it, is that we weren't in, definitely in possession. We weren't at our best uh, yesterday. Um, Altrincham, they are what they are really. They're, they're a good footballing team. Uh, they play some nice football. Got sort of a, a lively sort of three behind the main striker and said lights of Con Clark. He's a he's a tricky little player and. Yeah, we had a we sort of got into half time at nil nil, quite satisfied. We had a, had a couple of chances, and then sort of the second half, we had a, sort of a ten minute period where they sort of were getting their sort of passing game going, and we'd had a warning, and Justin sort of bailed us out uh, with a, an amazing save uh, from Con Clark, and then it kind of happened again. And to be fair to the lad, he made no mistake and slotted it in. But there's one if there's one thing that uh, we've definitely got. Uh, within our ranks this season, it's uh, a never say die attitude and a, and a real togetherness, and that's been instilled by the manager. And although he said very late, um, uh, Harry Phipps, what an amazing header that he's uh, got from a corner. Uh, and then, to be honest, Rob, um, we probably should have won the game. We had uh, sort of a couple of really good chances. Um, to be fair to Ethan Ross, he's pulled out an absolutely amazing save to. Uh, deny me uh, sort of a, on a half volley uh, and then Charlie Kendall our lone striker from Lincoln's uh, a stud away from directing a sort of a last minute free kick in so yeah in the end we're satisfied with the point um, away from home tricky conditions as well I think that the pitch was uh, well, the referee was going to give it an inspection uh, before the game because it would rain that much so it was tricky conditions but um, yeah something to build on and in regards to yeah the injury time, we we'd been told um, sort of two weeks before the season, the FA uh, well the National League have had a meeting, um, and the the manager had said, look, they're going to kind of give it like sort of a similar to the World Cup, what we saw where any time wasting will be added on, and it's all to do with having the ball in play more more than uh, than you sort of kind of get up to the EFL and the Premier League standard I think it's in play now for like 52 minutes well there are certain games definitely well, I play, the famous one where I played in for Bournemouth last year at South End I think the ball was in play for about 34 minutes and yeah they want to sort of in, increase um, the time of the ball in play uh, and yeah it was different um Especially when you're you're going into the first half and the, the board comes up and there's eight minutes added time, it's uh, 
it kind of adds a different dynamic, obviously to do with fitness and also concentration. Uh, and I think a lot of teams will benefit and some teams may suffer from it this year if they're not sort of clued onto it. Yeah, my take on it is fair enough for the spectator. Great that we're going to try and get more than an hour's worth of football. That's great. But I think it's a difficult one to manage from uh, from from, from uh, the, you know, the football inside's point of view because... I mean, I don't know what the stats will prove, but you're more prone to injury late on, aren't you, for sure? Um, so I think we will get more injuries, but we're not getting more subs and it's still it's only three substitutes. And I think in the modern day game, that's the bit, that's the decision that's got to catch up uh, with that. And I can see you nodding in the background um, as far as that's concerned. So we'll see how it all plays out over the season. It's probably a good thing this year that there isn't a midweek game the first week because... Three games, uh, three games in eight days um, at the start of the season uh, really would uh, count. You know, probably uh, result in, a, in an increased injury rate for for players. Let's just wrap up those last few games now. The next two had a similar feel about them. Home sides two nil up at half time, pegged back in the second half. Gateshead continued where they st- uh, left off last season, going two uh, nil up against. Uh, your most recent old side, Borehamwood, uh, Josh. Um, Gates had had the blow in the morning of confirming that they lost striker Adam Campbell to uh, Crawley Town. Um, they did make a signing themselves in that department on the day. But um, the, the other hot goal scorer up at Gates said, someone we've much talked about on this podcast, Marcus Denanga, put them ahead. Hunter made it 2 0. And then, well, the second half was all about your old side getting back into it. Um, Quezzi Apaya scored on his competitive debut for Boreham Wood. Um, And then they suffered the blow of Timmy Abraham being sent off six minutes from time. Only for 10-man Boreham Wood to go and get a 90-plus four through Cameron Cox. Josh, when a point feels like three, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think they'll be very happy with that, uh, especially Luke, I think he'll be uh, over the moon because by all accounts, first half, um, I mean, Gateshead is a tough place to go and some of the football they play is exceptional and they play some amazing sort of patterns and Mike Williamson's got really, uh, really like flowing at times and uh, yeah, so I think first half would have been sort of a bit of a kick in the teeth but again similar to sort of our result against Altrium uh, show some real spirit that you know you're going to get from from Bournemouth and I think it's good that Quezia Pai has got himself off the mark um, and then yeah Coxie like I said Coxie's a great great guy and I'm, I'm really happy for him to get that equaliser because um, yeah I think he struggled to to get some game time towards the end of last year but he's come on made a massive contribution in the first game and uh, yeah, they'll be going back home. I think really happy uh, to get off the mark and sort of like you say, turn sort of a, a defeat into something more positive. And Dickie, just flipping over to you for the other game that virtually mirrored it, didn't it? Maidenhead against Fylde, 2 0 half time, ended up 2 all with a late equaliser despite a man being sent off before it. And another result. Uh, that defies logic, doesn't it? And uh, just talk to us a little bit about that from a filed point of view. They come up, they come up with uh, quite high expectations again, but they were devved in the first half, as I call it. 
Yeah, they absolutely were. 2-0 down um, within 19 minutes. Um, goals there from Rhys Smith early on for Maidenhead and then a, an own goal from Amika Obi, who'd uh, just been booked a minute before, so he had a pretty dreadful 60 seconds. Um, Nick Horton got fouled back onto the, the score sheet. We know how important he is to them. Um, it, it wasn't looking like they were going to get anything when they had Connor Barrett dismissed in the 85th minute, but Alex Whitmore, he's the captain. He stepped up with an equaliser in the 90th minute. Ultimately, you'd imagine that Adam Murray and Fylde would be pretty happy with that, having been 2-0 down and then also reduced to 10 men to leave with a point is pretty creditable, I would say. Yeah, just two other games to wrap up briefly. Eastleigh are quite highly fancied this year. They did well last season. They've recruited well in the summer. Perhaps not so much fancied as Solihull Moors, but ultimately they couldn't be separated on the day. Another red card in that game. I think six or seven red cards overall and another red card late on as well. And yet again, the team that had the red card then went and scored with 10 men. That's the third consecutive game. Morrison, it was, you've got the 90 plus four leveller for Solihull Moors to ensure that their new manager, Andy Wing, is unbeaten after the opening day. Uh, Enzio Baldwin had put Eastley ahead uh, towards the start of the second half. And the other result of the day, we won't dwell on it too long. You could argue it's a reasonable point for Kidderminster back in the National League. And you could argue that you never underestimate a point away from home for Woking, but the end result was nil-nil. And bizarrely, Dickie, you can confirm this because your memory is better than mine. Did Kidderminster and Woking not play in pre-season and draw nil-nil as well? Uh, I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. I'm going to risk my reputation and put it on the line. <laughs> I, I think they played out a nil-nil. I don't know why they played each other, unless Kidderminster just wanted to test against another National League side. Mm. But anyway, that's probably the fiercest debate from that game. That wraps up the National League. And Josh Reese, thank you so much for coming on. Great to see you. Thanks, guys. No pleasure. Anytime. Right. We're going to take a look at the National League South now. And we're going to do it in a slightly different way to normal. Joe's not here, but he's going to be here virtually. Um, so I predict the first thing that he's going to talk about is some of those title favourites. Some of those teams that came down from the National League last year. It was an indifferent start on the opening day in the National League South for the three teams that were relegated from the National League last season. Torquay United, Yeovil and Maidstone all dropped into the National League South and it was only Maidstone that came away with a win on the opening day. But they were behind. Johnny Goddard scoring for Slough and uh, it looked as if Maidstone could potentially be in for a tough afternoon. Well, those fears were alleviated only a couple of minutes later. Solwanju Smith bringing them back on level terms from the penalty spot. The Stones will be hoping that that is the first of many this season after not really managing to uh, set foot on the field for Maidstone last year due to injury. And Maidstone, they came on strong in the second half uh, and managed to get themselves back in front. Reese Greenidge scoring a goal uh, in the second half to make it 2-1. And from there, Maidstone managed to see out the win uh, to make it a winning start to the campaign in George Ella Kobe's first full season as a manager. He'll be really pleased with the resolve from his side to come from behind. 
As for Torquay, well, it looked like it was going to be a winning start uh, with a really fast start on the uh, Kent coast. Goal in the first five minutes from Dover. An own goal putting Torquay United in front and then another goal uh, before the 20-minute mark. Asa Hall, the Torquay captain, getting on the score sheet. And you would assume from there it was pretty plain sailing for one of the favourites. Well, no, it wasn't. And Dover managed to pull a goal back before half-time, making it 2-1. And it has to be said, they deservedly got a goal in the second half to make it 2-0. And Torquay, despite having a late chance to win it, um, had to settle for a point. As for Yeovil, well, it was a losing start to the season for them as they made the trip to Hemel Hempstead. And Hemel Hempstead, obviously, with their 3G pitch, there was no, uh, as a result of that, there was no spot in the squad for Josh Staunton or Jake Hyde for Yeovil Town. And goals have been a problem for Yeovil uh, last season, and that proved to be the case again on Saturday. Some lovely passages to play, but they couldn't find a goal. And in the end, there was only one goal in the match which decided the outcome, and that came from Hemel Hempstead. Goal for Joe Iacofano, rather fortunate goal for them. Uh, chasing down a, a, a lost ball uh, back to Yeovil keeper Will Boos and it deflected off him and into the net to make it a winning start for Hemel and a losing start for Mark Cooper's side. So only Maidstone of the three, Dickie, could get a win. Uh, Torquay rampant in pre-season, 2-0 up on the day, uh, but pegged back by a Dover side that everybody had written off. Yeah, very much an unexpected um, result. And uh, I think particularly having established that lead that, that it will be a disappointment to them that they didn't get anything out of that. Big credit to Dover, though, for for, for digging something out um, in, in that game. Um, 68th minute, their, their second goal. So, um, you know, there was still time for either side to win it after that, that one had gone in. But, um, yeah, I suppose it's that old phrase, isn't it, about, what happens in pre-season doesn't necessarily count for anything. So although, you know, sides have either been flying in pre-season or struggling in pre-season, when it actually comes down to the proper business, when the league starts, things change and, you know, teams take it up a gear. Maybe if you've had a good pre-season, you're thinking maybe subconsciously, you're thinking this is going to be not easy, but, you know, you're feeling confident, maybe a bit overconfident. And uh, yeah, but it's one game out of, again, 46, isn't it? So uh, I don't think either side should beat themselves up too much over that. No. Let's hear again from Joe now with his second roundup from the National League South. So the top honours elsewhere has to go to Truro City. Truro City promoted last season from the Southern Premier via the playoffs and they made their long-awaited return to the league as they played Welling United. And, well, if Paul Walton had said to his side, let's make a fast start, then he certainly got that. Three goals within the first 20 minutes of the game. First through Rocky Neal and then a second through Ed Palmer. Uh, and they made it 3-0 soon after from Adam Porter to make the perfect start for the White Tigers. Well, they managed to pull a goal back, but a really strong finish to the first half virtually uh, sold the game for them. 
Two goals, another for Porter and a goal from, who else, Tyler Harvey, the man that we cannot keep off the score sheet. He got a goal to make it 5-1 and that was pretty much game over. Welling did manage to get a goal back uh, through Papadopoulos from the penalty spot, but it proved to be a five-star display for Paul Wharton's siders. You know, on the flip side of that, Danny Bleu in his first competitive game for Welling United. Uh, he'll be disappointed with his team's showing on the opening day of the season. Elsewhere, two good wins and two good 1-0 home wins uh, in two games between much-fancied sides for the playoffs. The first of those saw Chelmsford host Farnborough. Chelmsford got in the playoffs last season and Farnborough just missed out. Both are fancied to be in the mix for the top seven this time around. But it was Chelmsford that managed to get the win. A goal on the stroke of half-time. Adam Mills for the Clarets. He got his first of the season after joining from Leyston. And it proved to be the winner for Chelmsford as their defensive strengths once again came through. And elsewhere, uh, Eastbourne hosted Hampton and Richmond, another two teams fancied to push on this season uh, with new investment and new ownership. And uh, it was the full-time outfit that managed to make the faster start. Vega uh, on loan from Arsenal, putting them in front inside the first 20 minutes. And much like Chelmsford, it proved to be the case that Eastbourne managed to hold on to their one-goal lead, see all three points. Um, so two good wins for Chelmsford and Eastbourne. And finally in the National League South, 1-0 to the fill-in-the-blanks, Joe. We start with Western Supermare, another of the newly promoted teams. They managed to get off to a winning start on the opening day. And if you were late getting into this one, then you would have missed all the action because it was a goal from Marlon Jackson, the first goal of the campaign across the three National League divisions. His goal managed to prove the difference in this one as uh, Western Supermare managed to get all three points for them. That brings us on to another 1-0. Uh, lots of 1-0s on the opening day. Chippenham managed to get a win. Tyreek Johnson signed from Woking uh, at the end of the season. He managed to get himself on the score sheet. Um, really big win for them after losing a couple of key players uh, as they beat Averley, who start their season in the National League South after being promoted last season. That brings us to Taunton Town, another team that wanted to make a good start um, after only just avoiding relegation last season. Well, they didn't make a good start in this game. Uh, Nam Namdi Nuachku, he opened the scoring for Braintree Town. Uh, Braintree obviously in the playoffs last season. But Taunton Town hit back. Just on the stroke of half-time, defender Nick Grimes, uh, he was doing so much good defensive work last season, but he's got himself in the goals. Uh, he levelled the contest, and both teams pushed for the winner, uh, but it was the Peacocks that got it, and it was Ross Stern, one of the most experienced players in their side. He managed to get the winning goal with just over 15 minutes to play in that one, and you know, so they're so good defensively that they managed to see out the game and get all three points and that brings us on to our final game and that's St Albans versus Weymouth. St Albans uh, in the playoffs last season against a Weymouth side who only just managed to stay in the division uh, and it was St Albans that managed to get the win. Dylan Fage, a new signing formerly of Oldham, 
He got them in front just after the half-hour mark. And it was another new signing, Gio Rosrulo, formerly of Banbury United. He opened his account for the campaign with a goal shortly before the hour. Weymouth did hit back. Uh, Captain Tom Bearish, he got a goal. Um, expecting big things from him this season. So he'll be pleased to get off to the mark uh, in that one. Uh, a goal with quarter an hour to play. But Bobby Wilkinson's side couldn't get anything else from it as they, they just fell up short and had to settle for a defeat on the road. So that's the National League South. An interesting opening day there. But over to the National League North now with our resident expert that is sat here right with me. Take us away, Dickie, on the National League North. How did uh, some of those top sides with big expectations fare on day one? Well, the, the, the side with the biggest expectation or the one that certainly tipped to, to do best is Scunthorpe United. They started the season positively. They had a, a 2-1 win away at newly promoted Tamworth. Um, they were a goal behind after half an hour. Ben Akwai, who's just come on board from Tamworth from Banbury United, he put them ahead. Uh, Matt Curley's uh, own goal in the fifth minute of injury time at the end of the first half meant Scunthorpe went in level peg pegging. And then, yeah, Danny Whitehall, he only was only on the bench to start with, but he came off the bench to score a 71st minute winner for Scunthorpe. Tamworth had Brad Gascoigne sent off in the ninth minute of injury time at the end of the game as well. That's not helpful. He's going to serve a suspension. Um, but, you know, I suppose on the, on the face of it, a, an expected result and, and maybe... You know, I guess some credit for, for Tamworth for not making it easy for, for Scunthorpe. Uh, I, I would suspect that will be uh, what Tamworth are about a lot for a lot of this season is they just won't make it easy for other teams. I do think it'd be a tricky place um, for other sides to go. Uh, in amongst the other rated or, or fancied teams, Chester didn't get off to uh, the start that they would have wanted. They went down to a 2-0 defeat away at Bishop Stortford. I believe Chester travelled overnight, so they were down in the area. It was the longest away trip or uh, one of the longest away trips of the season. But two goals from Ryan Charles in the 80th and the 87th minute gave Bishop Stortford the win. I would think Callum McIntyre will be pretty disappointed about that. You know, 10 minutes left at the end of the game and it's nil-nil. Um, a point on opening to go away from home, you'd, you'd, you'd be reasonably content with that one. But yeah, they, they had to return with nothing. We know Hereford are one of the other fancy teams, uh, as are Kings Lynn. Well, I'm, I'm less sure about the credentials of either in the long run. They shared a two-all draw at the walks. Alex Babos, he's come board at Hereford over the summer, another departure from Banbury. He put them uh, uh, the balls ahead after seven minutes. Jordan Ponticelli with goals either side of half-time, the 28th and the 60th minute had Kings Lynn in front. But then Jason Cowley, uh, he came on board from Stourbridge in the summer at Hereford. He's been a football league player before. He went to Stevenage and didn't really get the opportunities in the EFL to show what he can do. But he got a 61st minute equaliser for Hereford yesterday. So again, both sides had to be content with the point. Good stuff. Great start there then for Bishop Stortford. They didn't want to be in the National League North, but they've obviously turned that into a challenge and... Uh, Perhaps a siege mentality down there as well. And they weren't the only promoted side to get a cracking result on the first day of the season, were they, Dickie? No, they weren't. There were three other promoted sides, of course. And I think it's, it's difficult to actually say which is the result of the day for, for the promoted sides out of these. But probably Warrington Town's 4-0 win at Southport has to be 
the, the, the contenders simply for the fact that they were away from home. Uh, Sean Williams had Warrington ahead just before half time, and then they added goals in the sector from Luke Duffy, Bohan Dixon, and Isaac Buckley Ricketts. Buckley Ricketts is a former Southport player as well, made it a pretty miserable start from the sand ground. As there was a story in pre season about how Southport had, had rescued a couple who'd got into quicksand um, on the beach while they were training, and it sounded like Southport were the ones who were trapped in the quicksand yesterday. Um, so, uh, yeah, South Shields, they also had a very, very creditable uh, 3-1 win over Alfreton at their own um, home Cloud Arena, I believe. Aaron Martin, um, he, we were talking about Gateshead having lost forwards. Aaron Martin, he got South Shields on the board in the 54th minute. Sean Brisley, he's a new arrival at Alfreton from Buxton. He levelled in the 63rd, but then two goals from Jed Abbey, a player I know reasonably well from a, a spell at Telford. Um, he went to Alverture last season scored 19 goals for Alva Church from midfield. South Shields signed him pretty late in the day just before the season started but his two goals ultimately made the difference in between those. It was a sending off for Dwayne Wiley of Alfreton as well so yeah good start for them. The only other promoted side I haven't mentioned they were um, Rushall Olympic. They didn't get the start that they would have wanted um, at Dales Lane. They went down 2-0 to Farsley Celtic with goals from Ben Atkinson and Darren Stevenson. That's it will be a disappointment for Rushall because they might look at Farsley and think that you know, bearing in mind where they finished last season, you know, they it might be perhaps one of the more winnable games in, in National League North. But Farsley showed last season they were a pretty battle hardened side and they went down there onto the plastic pitch at Rushall and came away with three points. I've got to be honest, Dickie, I don't know a lot about Rushall Olympic. Um and, and and that includes geographically where they are. Perhaps you can help me with that. And do you think this is gonna be a tough test for them this season. I think it probably will. Um, it's a mining village just north of Walsall, in between Walsall and Litchfield, if you're looking for it on the map. Um, uh, obviously, they'll be um, uh, hoping to to dig a few results out this season uh, at their home ground. They, they've they brought in a few new faces over the summer, but I think largely speaking, they've been quite loyal to the group that, that got them promoted, manager Liam McDonald, who I believe uh, featured on an episode of Come Dine With Me quite recently as well, which I've not seen. I'll have to dig that one out. Um, but yeah, Farsley was, he was dining out on them yesterday. I think... It will be a challenging season for Rushall, but I think they know that. I think they're determined to enjoy themselves, but I also don't think that they'll just be content with having a one-season tour of the National League North and then returning to a division below. You know, as as much as um, they will be trying to, you know, make the most of the experience, I would think those old competitive instincts will kick in and, you know, they'll, they'll want to give a good count of themselves. They'll want to stay up. Looking at the best of the rest, Tiki, there were one-all draws between Chorley and Brackley and Buxton and Boston United. But uh, down at Banbury, a familiar face was on the score sheet again. We love you, Glenn Taylor, especially me, because I've put you down to be the top scorer in the National League North again for the third year running on my predictions. Yeah, spending more under um, uh, new management this season with uh, Jamie Chandler in in the dugout to, to Brewery Field. Glenn Taylor 
uh, two goals in the second half, sandwiching uh, a goal from Danny Greenfield, goals in the 55th, 65th and 68th minutes. So they took that game away from Banbury in the space of uh, 15 minutes there. So uh, I imagine that was a very happy uh, spending more town bus returning back up the motorway yesterday. Um, you mentioned the two one-all draws there. I know there was a red card um, in the Chorley against Brackley game for Morgan Roberts of Brackley late on. Jordan Burrow scored against his old side. He left Boston in the summer to go to Buxton and then scored against them. You could probably um, have predicted that to a certain extent. Maybe wouldn't have predicted Blythe Spartans beating Gloucester City 4-2. That was a, a big win for Blythe. Big changes at Gloucester over the summer. There's, they're all perpetually big changes at Blythe. But yeah, um, they won both halves of the game 2-1 to record a 4-2 victory. And four different scorers for Blythe as well. JJ Hooper, Jordan Hickey, Nicky Devidich and Lewis Knight, who's come on board uh, from Gateshead. So that was a really good result for them. Um, elsewhere in the northeast, disappointment for Darlington, losing 3-1 at home to Curzon. Ashton Curzon have lost some players over the summer. They lost Tom Piers. They lost Josh Hancock, but they brought in the likes of James. Jamie Allen um, from, from Telford. Um, and yeah, that, that perhaps wouldn't have been expected given how they've got in pre-season. Curzon Ashton coming away with a 3-1 win. And then rounding up the final one of the day, Peterborough Sports won Scarborough nil. Hugh Alban-Jones with a goal three minutes before halftime, giving sports all three points. And they continue to overachieve. A lot of people thought it might be a difficult second season at National League North level. A crowd of just 360-odd but they continue to uh, pick up the points. And, uh, yeah, an interesting opening day all round, Dickie. And like we said, that home win for Telford as well. Just tell us not so much about that game, but what it felt like to cover your team at home. Uh, 3-0 win, um, you know. Did you remember how to celebrate? Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, kind of. I mean, was it, it was... It's a it's a different level, admittedly, isn't it? You know, and I think we have to recognise that. I think um, I just think for any team that's been relegated, let alone one that's endured the the a few miserable seasons like Telford has, your hope is that by dropping into a lower division, you can win a few more games, get a bit of feel good factor back into the club, and 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 hope that that can help to turn you you know, back in in the direction you want to go, which is which is up the pyramid rather than down. Um, it was a bit of a strange atmosphere yesterday, but it was nice to see, um, you know, some reasonable football played by Telford, I have to say, and three points. I think we worked out the last time they'd scored that many goals at home. I think they only did it once last season um, against Blythe Spot. And so, uh, yeah, for, you know, the, the goal notifications, et cetera, that we put out, it was, we were unduly busy yesterday, but it was, it was nice. It was the feeling we'd like to have more of. Well, great to see you with a genuine smile on your face this morning and uh, me grinning like a Cheshire cat too. Um, thank you very much listeners uh, for another wonderfully enjoyable podcast from our point of view anyway no midweek games this week so we'll dust ourselves down give ourselves a full week to prepare for next weekend's podcast until then play the theme tune Luke.